All right, guys, we want to bring up another sponsor of ours. It is Kelsey Picker Realtor with Keller Williams Coastal Area Partners. And if you need to buy or sell property anywhere in the United States, go to kelseypicker.kw.com. And her information will be at the bottom of that page or reach out to us at any of our social media pages or our email. And we will be happy to put you in touch. <laughs> Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? It's a mean machine and red and black. It's a mean machine and red and black. What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. After a beautiful weekend of spring football, or in my case, country music and 20 hours of driving, followed by some recorded football games. But before we get started on all things G-Day and a few other spring games from around the country, how has your week been and what are you drinking tonight? All right, so my uh, my weekend was great. So uh, my family and I went to G-Day. My mom came down. She's staying with us for a few weeks. Um, was able to go to Athens for the first time in a long time. Had a blast. Took you know, my three oldest boys first time. All of them have gone to like a sporting event together. Um, and they, they enjoyed it quite a bit. Took in all the scenery and all that. Saw all the, all the players walk down a field level and all that. It was awesome. Like they <laughs> cheering uh, cheering for... Brock Bowers and Ladd were their guys. Uh, as as, like, as it is. Yeah, as it should be. I mean, I'm doing something right. But it was funny when uh, – and we'll obviously talk about the actual game itself or the you know, scrimmage itself in a little bit. But one thing I thought was funny was when uh, when Brock made a big catch. Uh, it was like you know, a 30, 40-yard catch or whatever. Lincoln's telling everybody around us to suck it. I'm like, dude, it's the same team. Like, you're not talking trash <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> but – um. But it was fun, though. Uh, definitely fun. And um, front half of this week has been uh, pretty shitty, to say the least. We're doing state testing, so it's it's the stress, most stressful time of the year for uh, people in education. But um, And then the last question was, what am I drinking? So I got a, the uh, Savannah brand. I, I, I don't know the name of the dist- distillery necessarily, but it's the big bottle that just has like Savannah across it. It has the, uh, you know, you know, the state of Georgia on the outline. So their premium bourbon, uh, not bad, not bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually, um, one of the liquor stores close to the house last year was doing a tasting at the liquor store with the distillery, so I got to taste all their stuff, and it, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Um, oh, yeah. a few of the local liquor stores around Savannah will have, um, single barrels of that occasionally. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever looking for that, they do them barrel strength. And uh, and all the everything that they put in the whiskey itself is actually sourced from Georgia. So all the ingredients for the mash, like the wheat and the corn, mm-hmm. they're all from the state, which is pretty cool. Oh, dope! Yeah, yeah, it's good. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. So I um I, I mentioned a moment ago we left Austin on Monday morning at seven thirty. Um, and didn't get back to Savannah until 5 a.m. on Tuesday, and I had to work at 7 a.m. on Tuesday. So I am running on, you know, just nothing. 
like less than less than fumes correct um so with that being said my brain is working on about 20 percent capacity right now so when i inevitably get something wrong it's my fault but don't blame me but i am drinking water because if i drank whiskey during this i would end up falling asleep before we got done <laughs> oh, so I do want to get into some other games before we talk about G Day. Um, and just a couple that I, you know, saw some mainstream media outlets talking about that I, you know, as we do on the show, don't agree with most of the things they said just because they have narratives to push and is what it is. But yeah. Starting with Tennessee. Um, Orange beat White in a 17-14 thriller. If uh if you weren't aware, that's that is high scoring. No, but uh, in all reality, we're gonna go through the quarterback stats because we know that Tennessee's replacing Hendon Hooker, who for as much as I don't like Tennessee fans, Hendon Hooker was a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. So we've got Joe Milton. Had 79 passing yards while completing 69% of his passes. Nice. Nice. Nico, I will learn his name before the season, went 50% for 112 yards. And uh, Gaston Moore, who is... Gaston. On, yeah. He, I, Tennessee actually made a tweet, uh, no one throws better than Gaston. <laughs> which okay. if that's All the right. case he should he should be your starter uh, so yeah. <laughs> but he threw for 94 yards with a 72 percent completion rate but that was only on 11 passes hmm. yeah, i think he went eight for 11 was his his total um mm-hmm. joe milton had one touchdown on the day gaston moore had two and no one if no one throws like him and he had two touchdowns. He should be a starter. I'm just, just throwing it out there, guys. Yeah, people are saying. People are asking for him, not Nico. Yeah, but no, I I saw – the big reason I want to talk about this one is because I saw multiple media outlets talking about, like, oh, Nico's definitely the guy this year. He put on a hell of a performance, and it's like 50% passing for 112 yards. Is that <laughs> – well, God, I mean, like, in, we'll probably we'll we'll probably talk about Texas in a little bit too. But like, there's if you start him and then he comes out playing shitty and you bench him, like you've, I mean, you've undone any goodwill you've gotten with getting this alleged like all world you know kid. So I I don't know how you can start him right away. I mean, even with uh, Jacob Eason, like Kirby didn't start him right away. No, he played a good bit early. Yeah, but he didn't start. Mm-hmm. I just. And you know, I'm I'm coming in real early with this hot take. Tennessee attempted to push a narrative with their spring game. And that narrative was that their defense is better. But they didn't run much of the playbook at all. Mm-hmm. And not only that, they didn't allow any of the quarterbacks to actually run the ball, which is a typical spring game thing. But that's what, like, that's one of the big things that Nico would give you is that dual threat ability. That's one thing that Hendon Hooker did extremely well last year. 
I just I truly do not believe until Tennessee overhauls almost their entire defense. They're going to be worth shit. And mm. they better get it done quick because Texas and Oklahoma will be in the SEC next season. And I'm not saying that either of those schools are back, but I mean, with the way Tennessee's defense played last year, I Oklahoma could have beat them with a healthy Dylan Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And, and they that, don't play complimentary football. Like that's that's a big problem for them. Is you know you, these teams that have these high tempo offenses that are you know trying to put up 50, 60 points a game. That's what you see out of them typically. So. It, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, for the, for them, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to slow it down a little bit and try to give their defense a breather. And I mean, even practicing against that offense, like they're not going to see that that often either. Like this is the problem that obviously Josh Heupel came from Oklahoma and played there, but that's the problem that you know Oklahoma had for all those years um, toward the end of uh, Stoops' tenure, and then obviously all of Lincoln Riley's uh, tenure as well is uh, not playing that complimentary football. Yeah, I mean, he even. It, Heupel's last stop, UCF, always had a great offense. Mm-hmm. But the reason that UCF was never a real contender for anything outside of the American Conference was defense every time. Yep. And, I mean, a few years ago, people were saying you don't need defense to win championships anymore, but Georgia just won two with what was allegedly a almost entirely defense and the offense had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I say allegedly because we all know that's not true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here's the part where we are just going to do a little bit of a roast session because we are talking about ESPN's number one team in the country, the 2022 Peach Bowl runner-up, and Ohio State University suck eyes. And in big and true Big Ten fashion, they kicked off their spring game at noon. Which incredible. Oh, and they claimed they had 72,000 people there. No, I mean half that sure. They said they had 72,145 people. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, that's well, I mean, that's the Ohio State education. That's how they count, right? Maybe they had that many brain cells in the stadium. Yeah, that's giving them too much credit. <laughs> oh, so here's my first question about Ohio State. Is this the weakest mental program in the entire Power Five? And I say that because they were not allowed to actually tackle anyone in the first half of the game like any form of tackling was not allowed two hand touch only it are they the weakest mental team in the power five (laughs) i i it's so shocking not i shouldn't say shocking but it's so wild that a team that is known for not playing good defense is gonna not practice honestly not practice tackling for, you know, half of their, you know, showcase, their spring showcase. Uh, and, and you'll, I don't know, you're going to get into it too, but like the, the whole scoring system that they had, like how much Ryan Day hates defenses. He had to come up with a, a system to actually have his 
all, uh, have his defense actually score points. That's actually the opposite of what a defense wants to fucking do. Well, and, and you know, we'll just yeah. we'll just get right into it here. The defense won the game, <laughs> which is a first for Ohio State. Can you believe that? But and here's what I mean: if you don't know what Ohio State did for their spring game, they had all of their defensive players playing only defense on one team. So one team was just the defense, and one team was just the offense. And the defense scored more points because they created a what they called manufactured scoring system where the defense scores a certain number of points for pass breakups, sacks, tackles for loss, forcing a punt, which is just, you know, if they don't convert on third down, you get points. Not converting on fourth down, you get points. So with that system, the defense scored 41 points. Yeah. I got the I got the system pulled up right here. Um, oh, please so, tell me because I my brain hurt too bad reading it to actually go yeah. through it. And it took me going through several sites because like I was everybody described it a little bit differently, but the the uh, Columbus Dispatch said that obviously for the offense, touchdown, six points, extra point, any takeaways are three points, three and out is three points, a sack is two points, and a forced punt is one point. Isn't every punt a force force punt? Like I, like the offense doesn't get the ball and punt it on first down. Like unless you're because Iowa. their choice is go for it on fourth or punt it. <laughs> unless you're Iowa and you're cheering for the punter, which I I, I want to see what their spring game looked like. I hadn't even hadn't even crossed my mind. But I'm sure it was a punt fest. Uh, I'm sure it was you know exclusively streamed on I don't know. Like like big 10 QBC. plus <laughs> shopping for an offense now farmersonly.com <laughs> is that website still around i should i haven't seen a commercial for that in forever shout out monroe <laughs> <laughs> shout out monroe saw that oh. shit all the time when i lived there oh yeah all the time so we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some positives from Ohio State spring game. And the the main, the only real positive I found for them coming out of the spring game was that two-time Heisman winner Archie Griffin had the highest rushing average with one carry of 25 yards. <laughs> I didn't even see that. That's incredible. <laughs> yes. Good for him. Yes. Um but yeah, so you know the next great Buckeye quarterback, aka mid as fuck, Kyle McCord threw for 184 yards at 52.9 percent completion, and Tristan Gebbia, I probably mispronounced mm. that, had 127 yards at 58 percent completion, and McCord had three sacks. Tristan had two. And these are throwing to, you know, those super good receivers that they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're throwing to a guy that, you know, is probably going to be the first number one overall pick at wide receiver in uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think he, I think he shot and went number one, but like it, like for a long time. Yeah. I'm at a loss. I, I, and ESPN came out with that ranking 
mm-hmm. after the spring game, they watched this and they were like, oh, that's the number one team in the country. And it's funny because like ESPN, I mean, after next year, they have no like skin in the game with the Big Ten. So it's funny that they would push that that narrative unless they're trying to, you know, overcompensate. It's like, oh, yeah, we're not biased for the SEC. Like we're, you know, we're pushing pushing Ohio State. There's nothing about that game that that screams out number one team in the country. Not not yet. So I've already put out a hot take. Now I'm going to throw out a conspiracy. Ohio State wants to piss off the Georgia program so they can talk for the next three years about a three-peat. Herbie is encouraging that. I mean, always looking for that motivation. Oh, I saw somebody in in a Georgia group the other day post the ESPN FPI rankings and say, I guarantee you this is already put up in the locker room. Oh yeah, I yeah I think I I responded to something like that. Like it's on every fucking TV that they have in the football facility everywhere. It's yes, everywhere. Yes, Kirby's gonna get his tattooed on his forehead. Mm-hmm. Third, who Third. I, I don't. So Ohio State was first. Who was second? Do you remember? Bama. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, they have so much. They have so much confidence in the quarterback that almost lost them a game to you know five and seven Texas A and M mm-hmm. last year. And losing their best, you know, pass rusher they've had in forever, and you know, losing their highest winning quarterback, yeah, all that, yeah. But that definitely number two team in the country, if not number one, yes. And replacing Agreed. both coordinators, yeah, yeah, number two team in the country, certainly, yeah. I'm, they should be number one. It's one A, one B. And, and Georgia should really be like ten, if we're being honest. They're going to go. They're going to go seven mm-hmm. and five again. Yeah, I mean, I think every, everyone's saying it. Everyone, right. especially Don't if you even... ask Nolan Smith. Yeah, I mean UAB is gonna put a whooping on him. Like, you man, Team Wiggins Martin. gonna be so happy. Oh, he's gonna be <laughs> fucking Blazers. Uh, I'm never gonna hear the end of it. <laughs> so back to Ohio State. Um, just some, just some, uh, a few more stats here. The offense converted three or four third downs on the day, out of a possible twenty three. Not so, good. Solid numbers, right? <laughs> that's Someone's that's what you want to see with mm-hmm. once again Marvin Harrison Jr. and and Buka and all the guys that they have. And I know I probably pronounced his name wrong, guys. I I a hundred percent understand that. I just I can't be the only one that doesn't get it. It's 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 the laundry. It's the lazy thing to do. Like there's only so much you can take out of spring games anyway. Because they're they're only going to show you what they want to show you, and obviously there's, uh, you know, like what the, you know, obviously what the players are going to you know, you know, perform like you know, up or down or whatever. But it's going to be very vanilla anyway. So if you're if your offense is struggling that much against a base defense, not great. Not no. <laughs> they're going to miss CJ Stroud. Is that my takeaway from that? Not being biased at all, but they're going to miss him so bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I – and the the joke I made a minute ago about Ohio State quarterbacks being mid, C.J. Shroud is the one exception to that rule over the last yeah. few years. Mm-hmm. I would not – C.J. Stroud oh, – I would not mind him in Detroit at all if, if Jalen Carter is not there. If C.J. Shroud goes – gets drafted after Bryce Young, 
the team that drafts Bryce Young will be looking for another quarterback in two seasons. Well, I mean, Anthony Richardson's going number one overall anyway, so I, it's, it's oh, a moving point. You're right. But that don't mean Bama just goes another year without having a number one draft pick. <laughs> I can't relate. No. <laughs> All right. Do you? I know you mentioned it a minute ago. Do you, did you pay attention to the Texas spring game? Do you want to watch it, or do you want to talk about it? Um, a little bit. I know. I mean, I know that uh, Stark came out right away and said, I think it was right after the game, saying that that Archie was going to be their guy. Or not Archie? Jesus, he's. Uh, I think there's <laughs> their third screen. Shit. Um, that uh, Quinn Ewers is going to be their guy. Um, Quinn I don't Ewers think that. Good. Oh yeah. I, yes. And I don't know about the other two so much. I know that uh, A.D. Mitchell did have a touchdown catch. So he had. So A.D. Mitchell was running with the twos and in a non-contact jersey, mm-hmm. but he looked really good. Mm-hmm. He he looked like the A.D. that we wanted all season, but he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Like if he plays anywhere close to that week in and week out next season, he is a top half of the first round draft pick. But oh, he sure. looked and Texas is not going to miss a beat losing Bijan Robinson at running back. Mm-hmm. Their backup quarterbacks look good this season. I just, man, Texas, as much as I hate on them for never being back, that spring game, they looked very good. Oh, they yeah. Very mm-hmm. good. Did anybody talk about, uh, did you hear anything about Texas while you were at the, uh, the festival in Austin? No. I mean, mm-hmm. we went we went out on Sixth Street the night before the game. Yeah, and nobody said anything about Texas. Hmm. So not back if they're not talking about in the spring. Not good. <laughs> or that means they finally are back, and no one wants to talk about it because they don't want to jinx it again. There's, there's that. <laughs> did you find a? Did you find a Arch's uh, fake ID? Not a fake ID, but a school ID at one of the bars. I didn't actually yeah. know. I wrote a mechanical bullet in one of the bars. What? I wrote a mechanical bullet in one of the bars. <laughs> there you go. Sixth Street is like Athens. Mm. If you added 10 times the people, and there's so many bars that they have people outside. And when you walk by, they're like, if y'all come in the bar right now, we got a free drink for the ladies. There you go. So the girls drank free multiple times on Friday night. <laughs> nice. All right. You ready to talk about the uh, the Georgia game? Yeah, let's go. All right. So I am not going to hold the quarterbacks to the end this time. And that is because the battle settled. Car- Carson Beck is the guy. Absolutely. And semi-breaking news, Brock Vandegrift came out just before we came on tonight and said that he was not going to transfer this season. Good. That's awesome. Yes. So I think in his head, he's like, man, Carson, have a phenomenal season and get the fuck out of the way. Yeah, he, you know what, he might, I mean, him seeing kind of what, you know, stats and story and everything. About you know starting, getting benched, and all that. That might, that might have you know kind of you know rang true, not rang true, but like kind of spread around the locker room saying, okay, it's not the end all be all. If you have someone like Juan Mathis start, 
and you know not you know not obviously not light it up obviously you had other issues and stuff like that going on but there's an opportunity it's not an end-all be-all so that's awesome to see that someone's not going to run from the you know run from competition right away at like the first chance they get because they he still does have another what week and a half to transfer if or enter the portal if he wants but he's got until awesome Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, like a week and a half, 10 days. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I got really excited when I heard that because I do, I truly believe that Brock Vandegrift can be like, if, if Carson leaves this season and Brock's got another year to get the offense under his belt, I think he has the potential to be a Heisman contender. He has everything that a Heisman contender would need. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, y'all saw that opportunity. Yeah. Y'all saw that, like that run that Brock had at the very beginning of the, uh, the spring game. And it wasn't anywhere close to being a sacker. I getting pressure or anything like that. He, what he ran for like 25, 30 yards, something, something along those lines. It was a decent run. Uh, he's yeah. got, he's got, he's got that it. He just has to, you know, practice it, you know, more. Right. And last season he wasn't even like last season he wasn't even getting reps with the twos because that was all Carson. And Gunner was the scout team quarterback. So yeah. he was splitting reps with whoever he could get in with at the time. Mm-hmm. So he I prom I promise you guys he will get there if he has the opportunity. Mm-hmm. He's just got to get the opportunity. I do want to talk a- about go ahead. I would say, I mean, best case scenario too with uh, with Carson is that he balls out this year, Georgia three peats, and then uh, Brock is able to come in there in his uh, redshirt junior year or just yes. his junior year. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean that's unless he scenario. plays in more than four games a season. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh for sure. So I mean, yeah, best case scenario, Brock ball or uh, Carson balls out, Brock can come in there next year and potentially so have three years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hopefully, again, hopefully he does not. He doesn't exhaust that three years, and you know, if he does play, you know, play a year or two, and then go on to that next level, that means good things for uh, for the dogs. Yeah. So next, I want to talk about running backs because that's something that we spent a good bit of time on over the last couple of weeks, getting ready for G Day. And first thing I got to say is Roger Robinson is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Good. A true freshman, he has been on campus since January. He had 14 practices because the 15th practice was G-Day. And he comes out there and he is running through tackles of guys that are juniors and seniors and making them look silly. Mm-hmm. He's already got hands out of the backfield. Oh, man, I am. I said it when he committed months ago. I am really excited about Roger Robinson. Yeah, Kirby came out there and said, I think after the after the spring game that that already like nobody wants to tackle him. Like that's something that you definitely want to hear when you're hearing about even like any running back, but especially a freshman running back. Good guy. Oh yeah, and you know we've it, people make this comp uh, comparison. That's what I was looking for. People make this comparison all the time about different running backs. But the way he was just straight bouncing off tackles mm-hmm. reminded me of freshman Nick Chubb. Yes. Like a dude runs up and hits him full force 
and he just bounces off and keeps going. It's like, mm-hmm. is that possible? Do real people actually do that? Are they capable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was impressive. It was definitely impressive. I mean, everybody that was around us were kind of oohing and on over that as well. You know who else pleasantly surprised me in the running back room? Our boy Cash Jones. Cash Jones. Who? Who? Cash Jones. Who? <laughs> no, he looked he looked good. He's still a walk-on. And I'm not saying that is a negative thing to him, mm. but like he started with the first string offense. Like he played yeah. with the red team. Mm-hmm. He was catching and balls he, out he, of the backfield. He was making mm-hmm. blocks on cut on uh on some pass blocking. He showed he was, some of that that uh all the uh, adjectives that we have for for uh undersized white players. He had it. Pretty. He showed it all. Lunch pale mentality. <laughs> Coach's kid. I don't know if he is, but I'm sure we can throw that out there. Who's gonna fucking question it? But yeah. No, man. He <laughs> sneaky one hit sneaky athletic. There you go. That's the one I was looking for. There was that one hit on the sideline where he essentially got clotheslined mm-hmm. and just popped right back up. It was like Bro, you're that might have been the most impressive thing. Yeah, that might have been the most impressive thing. Because uh, yeah, he's he's not a big guy by any means, and for him to get up after that, yeah, like, I, I we I think we were getting food and we were watching it on the um on the screen when he got popped, and I was like, like audibly just like, oh shit, and like he got right back up. I'm like, okay, cool, all right, he might make it. I I'm that's one thing I am worried about with him if he if he does play, um, you know, any kind of you know any kind of role. Is you know can he take the beating? He's going to be a good like change of change of pace back and you know you know spell somebody from time to time. But yeah, for him to get up after that was impressive, man. And it even if Cash Jones decides to transfer so we can get like starter reps somewhere, bro, I would love mm-hmm. for Cash Jones to just go to like I don't know West Virginia and have like Ooh. a twelve hundred yard season. That's the perfect spot for him. That he seemed, yeah. I don't want him to leave, but that I don't either. I see. Uh, yeah, no, I like if he stays this season, I may get that Cash Jones jersey that I've been trying to get West to get. But instead of Jones on the back, it'll say Cash with a dollar sign instead of an S. So. We're going to move on to receivers, um, and we'll we'll include tight ends in the receiver group, and then we'll move on to defense here in just a minute. All right. But Makai Muse, is that – that needs to be a thing this season. <laughs> it does need – did you hear the news? <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. I mean, <laughs> he, he had himself a game. Oh, he was so good. Mm-hmm. That kick return, electric. Oh, the kick return that was and a lot of pop all day. He had that one long pass catch, mm-hmm. and the dude is legit like five six. Like he is short, mm-hmm. but he was just making people look silly out there. I man, like. God, I, I want Makai Muse to be a thing this season. Mm-hmm. 
He, yeah. I mean, so, so looking at, I'm looking at Georgia's website, kind of just looking at the, the overview of everything. So he did that one big catch with the 54 yard catch down to the two. And he did, I think he had another big play besides the, I guess that would kick off a turn was the other big play that he had, but it was definitely impressive. I'm uh, hoping that it's not one of those, uh, what, what player am I thinking of that always like, show, like the receiver that always showed out in the spring game, uh, Shit. You're not It'll talking about Matt later. Landers, are you? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully it's more to it than that. But he yeah. I mean, he came up he came around with Arkansas, but obviously not in Athens. Yeah, man. I at bare minimum, let Makai Muse return kicks all mm-hmm. season. Oh, for oh. sure. I mean, they need they need somebody. I'd rather him do it than uh than Ladd or obviously Kyrus is gone now, but save them for the actual offense. Let yeah. Muse go out there. Let Muse get himself a Devin Hester legacy, similar mm-hmm. build, similar speed. Let him use that shiftiness and just roast kickoff ter- teams. And that was nice too. I don't know if you noticed it during uh during the game, but so they weren't necessarily fielding the kicks like that. You know, they, they would do the kick and then they'd have a coach kind of just like toss them the ball and they would go off. Yeah. After that. I don't remember that being a thing, but I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe I wasn't watching it as closely as I was on Saturday, but hopefully that it wasn't just a byproduct of that. I don't think it was. I mean, that was, that was a lot of, a lot of muse, not, you know, other things. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't. And the kickoff that he returned for what should have been a touchdown Mm -hmm. did go through the end zone, but in a real game setting, not every kick goes through the end zone. No. No. Um, sticking on this trend of pass catchers, Dominic Lovett surprised yeah. me. Because mm-hmm. I knew he was good at Missouri, and I knew Kirby was talking him up. But he was making some phenomenal catches out there. Yeah. Like balls mm-hmm. that should not have been caught, he was going up and getting and getting some yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. So, do you know what happened on why Ra-Ra did not play? Uh, no, I I think Kirby had said something about it, but I, I didn't see – I didn't actually hear it or see it or read it. So, I, I haven't seen anything about it. I'm assuming it's part of the handling the whole police situation internally. Yeah. Because he said he's been practicing. He said he's been practicing well. But mm-hmm. I, that's what it says to me, and especially since Kirby hasn't said anything publicly that I've seen about it. Mm-hmm. He just said that he's dressed and not playing. Yeah, I mean, he was out there. I mean, we, I'm, I'm when we walked down to the field, we did. I'm pretty sure that we saw him down there, um, on the sideline. Yeah, I, I mean, they showed him on camera a few times. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm to, I was trying to look for it now. I, I I don't necessarily see why he wasn't out there. Yeah, I'm assuming it's the handling it internally thing. Mm-hmm. So I've already talked about this guy quite a bit. Loss and lucky. Yes, you were there. Mm-hmm. What What are your thoughts? Because I've been talking about this guy for months. He is 
not that you can necessarily clone Brock Bowers, but he, if you didn't know what number Brock Bowers was, you would assume that that was him. Dude is a fucking freak. I, I mean, he, he was impressive. Yeah. And his run blocking. Yeah. I, I think time for another hot take. I think by the end of the season, he may have more snaps than Oscar Dell. I can see that. He definitely, I, I it, again, it's just one practice, one, one scrimmage, but he, he definitely made a big impression or a bigger impression than Oscar did, um, you know, out there on Saturday. Yeah. And when Kirby mentions a freshman by name multiple times, mm-hmm. you got to take notice. Because yep. who do you do that about last year? Michael Williams. Yep. Who do you do that about the year before that? Brock Bowers. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't mention players without having a uh, very good reason to. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had some guys that did not – some previous starters that didn't – Get a whole lot of touches, which is probably intentional. Lad McConkey, one catch. Marcus mm-hmm. Rosemary Jack Saint, one catch. Um, Brock Bowers had two, but I, I like I said, I think that was intentional based on trying to get other guys some reps because Brock Bowers pretty much didn't even come out in the second half of the game. Yeah, there's nothing that you needed to see out of him or Lad or some of like the more established yeah. guys. Like that, there's there's not the opportunity cost of having them out there isn't worth it. Yeah. So another guy that I've been talking about for a long time, I've said that, you know, he could step in and fill those Arian Smith shoes who we're going to get to next. Mm-hmm. Yazid Haynes. Mm-hmm. That catch that he had got hit so hard his helmet came off, just popped back up, right back up, kept going. He may not be a problem this year as long as Arian stays healthy. Mm hmm. But Yazid Haynes is going to be a problem for this for other schools in the future. That sure. gets fast. Mm-hmm. So what what do you think about Arian Smith doing everything he did now that he's like finally fully healthy? I was impressed. Like I like the I I like the fact that they they did some different things with him i mean using a lot utilizing that track speed have i think he shoot he probably did what two uh at least two jet sweeps and one of them was for a touchdown the, uh, at the very beginning of the game but i was impressed with a seemingly healthy arian smith like that could be a dangerous weapon that that georgia uh utilizes next year but like another like i don't know i don't think you t- you mentioned it so far, but Dylan Bell impressed me quite a bit as well. Um, out there, yeah. I mean, he showed it at times last year, but he was there. Mm-hmm. More, he started a lot last year out of necessity and his willingness to block on the outside for runs. But mm-hmm. no, I I agree. I I was extremely impressed by him. And man, Georgia's got so much wide receiver talent for the first time in so long that like, yeah. what what do you do with all these guys? It's a great I mean, problem to yeah. have. But... Yeah, this might be this might be the deepest wide receiver room they've had in uh, in in the Kirby era. I mean, it, even you know talking about having George Pickens on the team for three years, like you know he was like that guy, and obviously it wasn't all realized, and he was injured and stuff like that. But 
yeah, this might be the deepest wide receiver room or, or just even pass catching room or, you know, group that they had. They've had, you know, since 2016. How, I mean, you'd have to go back years before that too, to even get something that was close. Mm-hmm. Maybe 2013. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Tavares King, Chris Conley, Malcolm Mitchell, like those, mm-hmm. those years, but you're still only talking three, four, maybe five guys. And, you know, right now you've got Lawson Lucky, Brock mm-hmm. Bowers, Oscar Delt, Lad, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Dominic mm-hmm. Lovett, Dylan, uh, Dylan Bell. Jackson I, Meeks. Did you, did you I, see that fucking touchdown he had? Yes. I, that was, that was literally the next name coming out of my mouth. Jackson yeah. Meeks, Makai Muse. And then you got the freshman coming in of Tyler Williams, who once he figures out the offense, that six foot five frame with his speed, he's going to be a game wrecker. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm this is the most excited I've been about wide receivers in the Kirby era easily, yeah. but also probably in a decade. Easily. I yeah, I think that's hard, hard to argue. I just I'm I I'm not quite um can't really put to words how excited I am about finally having you're like you go down a receiver and you're like, oh shit, who's this guy coming on the field? Like that's not a thing anymore. No. And and it has been for the last few years, but now I mean you could list 10 guys that could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. It's so I do want to move. Recruiting. Always Cruton. Always Cruton. ABC. Always be Cruton. <laughs> so I do want to talk about the defense. Some um, outside linebackers were flying all over the place, mm-hmm. which is what we wanted to see. And I do want to throw this out there because last week I talked about how hyped up I was for Darius Smith. You can't put a linebacker on Brock Bowers every play and expect that to go well. So don't let him attempting to cover Brock taint your perspective of what he's able to do. Because first, Georgia is never going to, A, face a player like Brock Bowers, but B, they're not going to put a linebacker on someone of that caliber. They were playing a base defense. To, have, to give the offense more of an opportunity to practice because that's essentially what it was. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen it a few times. People roasting Darius Smith because it was 19 on 19 for that one big catch Brock had. Just chill out. No one can cover Brock Bowers. Yeah, you can't judge him off of that. Nope, yeah. like Just like you said. Um, so leading the black team in tackles was Xavier Sori, outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. We I talked about him so much last season, I don't really feel like I need to. Um, and then you had Pop second on the team, but we, we are gonna talk about some of the newer guys that did well. Um, EJ Lightsey, number 25, he did really mm-hmm. well. In the uh, in his play, there, our boy Tyke 
Yeah, he had a big play. He had that interception. He made mm-hmm. a lot of tackles. Um, I don't. I, do we need to talk about Javon Bullard? Because I don't. I don't think we need to. I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, he's he's definitely going to be one of the leaders on this team. So we know what he brings to the table. Yeah, we could. We could talk about him for the next ten minutes. Yeah, but I feel like at this point, I, they showed almost entirely Javon Bullard highlights for the um, the TV broadcast, and mm-hmm. it was like for the national championship game. It was interception, fumble recovery, interception, and it was like, oh yeah, that was just in the first half. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. He yeah. had those turnovers against the Heisman runner-up. All right, going through. That's, that's still weird to say. I can't. I can't believe that uh, Max Duncan came in second in that whole thing. But yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a little weird. It. Yeah, all, all the guys that went to New York. He. He's the one that finished second. Not. Not. Yeah. Not poo pooing him at all. But like that's still. Still funny. I. I agree. Hundred percent. Um. All right, so we're gonna bring up almost entirely new names when we're talking about the red defense. That's because it was almost entirely new guys. Um, first off, AJ Harris. He was wearing number four on Saturday, playing in the defensive backfield. Six total tackles. The guy was flying around. He was making all the plays, and then there was the one play where he had the pass interference. But that's what you would want to see in that spot. Yeah. And people are going to call me crazy for saying that. I would much rather give up 15 yards than a touchdown. Yeah, because you all got to remember, it's not a spot foul. No, 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 it is. Like, no, it's not. In college, it is 15 yards and a new set of downs. I would take that over giving the other team six points because mm-hmm. he, did, he didn't make the play. And I think most coaches would agree with that, you know, as yeah. far as <laughs> – Let's give him another three shots versus a guaranteed one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't be mad uh, at that. CJ Allen, linebacker. He, CJ Allen is a linebacker, right? I'm not mixing that up. Um, yeah. He was second on the red team, and he's a linebacker. All right. I just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, second on the team in tackles with five. I I think he had a phenomenal day, especially with the news that Ryan Davis is leaving the program. I think that I think that's huge having as many guys with good quality snaps in that linebacker role because this past offseason you lost two inside linebackers that were were veterans. Like they may they may not have been as athletic as the younger guys like Pop and Smale Mondin, but Ryan Davis and Trezman Marshall were a hundred percent leaders on that defense. So the more guys that you can have to potentially fill in that rotation, it the better. Mm-hmm. Damon Wilson, we talked about this with Candler, that pass rushing spot. Damon Wilson, two sacks for 13 total negative yards. We're going to use another one of those adjectives that everyone hates to hear when you're talking about players. Dude's motor does not stop. Mm-hmm. That's what you want from that spot. Yeah. 
Like he was chasing stuff down from the backside. He was bull rushing. He showed pass rush moves, which is what you want to see. And if you guys remember, before signing day, I talked about him. I said he's not as highly rated as Samuel and Pimba, but he is the more polished pass rusher. And he absolutely showed that. Damon Wilson is potentially a starter or in the two deep at outside linebacker as a true freshman in the SEC this season. Mm -hmm. Staying on outside linebackers, Samuel and Pimba had a day too. He played in Mm -hmm. coverage well. He was chasing stuff down from the backfield. He may not have filled up the stat sheet, but every time – there was a play with him on the field. He was right next to it. He was getting there. And that's, I mean, yeah, he that's. Had, yeah. He had, he, um, just looking at the, you know, the Georgia website with their like official, official stats. He had three, uh, uh, assist, uh, assisted tackles or tackle assist. Yeah. But he, he did a lot like, more than that. Sorry. Yeah. That's one of those things. Like he may not have filled out the stat sheet, but, he was doing what you want to see from a young guy on every play. He may not have been at the play when it started, but he was at the play when it finished. Yep. Um, Janelle, Agu- uh, Janelle Aguero, once again, sorry, guys, my brain is working on 20% at most right now. Um, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still very undecided about that safety spot. Yeah, I don't think there was anything there that would change anyone's mind one way or another. The only thing I can see is I think Tyke Smith edged ahead a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Because he was running with the ones and he was making plays. I mean, he was in the right spot more often than not. I mean, again, he did he did have a turnover. So, you know, that's not nothing. And that was an interception where he came off of the guy that he was initially responsible for because he was reading the quarterback's eyes mm-hmm. and made that play. Like, that wasn't... Who, do you remember who he picked off? Uh, it was either Brock or Gunner. Yeah. What? I think it was Brock. I want to say... Here, yeah, I, was, I think it was Brock. I'm I'm getting back to it. Um, it had to have been Brock. Mm-hmm. Because Gunners was a pick six, I think. Yes. Yeah, no, it was Brock's. No. Um, once again, I am sorry, guys. My my brain's not braining right now. Um I just saw I just saw the name. I was Christian Miller. Mm, yeah. No, man, between him and Jordan Hall. These young defensive linemen are looking good, and I'm gonna throw I'm I'm throw our guy Big John there because he did he struggled a little bit, but he's he's a young guy. Mm -hmm. Like, give him time. Most most high schoolers are not ready to step up into an SEC game as freshmen. You find guys more and more that are starting sophomore, junior year than you are freshmen. Jaw did well. He had a lot of the fundamentals down, but at times it seemed like he he may have 
done some things that were not necessarily what he was supposed to do. But there were multiple times where he was making plays on the running back when it came through his gap. He'll get there. He just needs time. Mm-hmm. And I know that, I mean, they even talked about it on the broadcast about the potential that Jaws got to be that guy in Athens. But, man, Jordan Hall and Christian Miller looked great as mm-hmm. young defensive linemen. I, I'm, I just, I, I'm excited. I don't, and between my brain not braining and being excited about being excited about these players, I'm hard. I'm struggling to find words. You know. <laughs> no, it's definitely it's definitely something to look forward to. Like we're teams in good hands. Yeah, it, this was this was definitely one of those things where the young guys played so well that you just you just kind of sit there and you're like, they're not going anywhere. No. Like this team's not seems not going anywhere whatsoever. Um, I know we skipped over the left tackle position, but that's because both of the guys that started played extremely well. Yeah. Um, talking about Austin Blasky and Ernest Green. Ernest Green did start the game at left tackle. So if you want to read into it, he might be leading. Mm-hmm. But until they come out right and say it, I'm I'm not going to handicap that battle. I can tell you what I would like to happen. Tell you what I think might happen. Mm-hmm. But no one knows. I don't think Kirby knows yet who's going to be the starting left tackle. No, he's got the whole summer and you know thirty what thirty fall practices to figure it out. But I will say, like Carson Beck had a pretty much a clean pocket the entire not the entire time, but a good part of the first quarter, like when he was just lighting it up, like in like everything. And a lot yeah. of that can go back to Ernest Green. So that, again, that's something that the, to, to keep in mind. Yeah, no, I, I, we are on a hundred percent same page there. Mm. Um, oh, there's something else I wanted to talk about. Boom. We skipped other. over boom. I know. <laughs> that was we what the, my kids were most excited boom. about. Yeah, no, I I may have said it, talked about it on the show before, but so what they what they started doing a few years ago with the Ugga bloodline is crossbreeding it with other bloodlines just because of how healthy the dogs were not. Yeah. Um, after this many generations of inbreeding to keep the dogs pure white. But you can see... Just by looking at Boom, he's a little taller. His nose is a little longer. He's a little skinnier. They're doing the right thing. As sad as it is to see Q go, Mm -hmm. they're doing the right thing. Because if he wasn't healthy enough to travel to L.A., the last thing you want to see is, you know, him overheat at a game or Mm -hmm. stop making trips to Athens. I'm – they just did the right thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's what he was ten years old, right? Yes. I mean, that's that's an eternity for for English bulldogs. So they definitely did the right thing with them. And just you know, just watching the ceremony, I don't know if you were able to watch the whole like the whole thing. I don't know how much the I don't think the TV broadcast did a whole lot. They just showed uh, they did. 
They showed they just yeah they just showed Boom like getting the collar. Boom was spunky. Uh, oh, whoever, the person that was handling him, uh, had uh they brought Boom from like the opposite end zone toward like where the doghouse is at. Yeah, and, I mean he was dragging the handler. Like it's not <laughs> like it, it was it was one of the uh, I guess one of the female silers, but uh just dragging her across there and then just. Like just you know, all over cue and all that before you know before they actually did the ceremony itself. Yeah, you know, like he's he's gonna be spunky. He's he's high energy, and that's what you're looking for in a, in a in a in Q's replacement. But Q is definitely gonna be missed. I mean, he's the, I mean, he's the goat. I mean, he the, is. You can't argue. King it. of I mean, Sanford. Yeah, he he, and I know that you know they put every you know put all the the Uggas, you know in the stadium and have you know every, like enshrinements and all that, but. Our boy deserves a statue, like a real absolutely, statue. yes, and not just absolutely. inside the stadium. He needs to be outside of that. If if I I don't know, certainly outside of the stadium, but it need, he needs one asap. I agree. I agree, hundred percent. Give and our boy his flowers while he's alive. Man, Robert Baker better not be coming to Sanford because because Boom's gonna get his ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's where we're at on that because yeah. they didn't get him in 96 barely missed mm-hmm. they, they'll get him if he comes if he shows up and you know like boom and his training that he you know he watched that play over and over and over again it's like this is what we want out of you so he's he is ready yeah but let's do it let's do it with somebody from tennessee let's just oh please yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, all right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here tonight? Um, I know I'm missing stuff. I I know that a hundred percent. There's one thing from the game that is really is is inconsequential because like obviously we're coming, we're bringing in a new kicker, a new place kicker up this year, and um, I think it was Zirkle. Uh, he missed an extra point that was like unfathomable like it it was really bad it was like if you were playing madden and you just like your controller went out and it so just went, it was all it was bad i i don't know why he missed it but it so was that's I what mean, i was about bad. to say so on the broadcast they showed that the snap was low oh okay and low for low for a long snap is low low Mm-hmm. But it was low, and um, Thorson had a hard time getting it placed. Okay, okay. So yeah, I was hoping yeah. that that wasn't just a, a typical, like you know, you know, uh, you know, standard you no know, hold and all of that. So that's okay. That's reassuring. So that's not bad. That I mean that that's actually one hundred percent something I wanted to talk about because Jared Zirkel was the number one kicker coming out of high school a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he. Pod Lesney as a walk-on got the start over him for two years. And now we've got the Kennesaw State transfer. That, yes. Yeah. We got to come up with a good nickname for him. Hmm. Can't be Honey Badger. No, it's, yeah. It's, we have time to workshop it. We can crowdsource yeah. it. We'll, we'll shop it. We'll shop it. Yeah. Um, but the Kennesaw State transfer made a 51-yarder. It snuck yeah. in both mm. width and height. Mm. 
but it kicks a kick. It's still the same yeah, number would... of points. If you make it center, you make it barely. See, mm-hmm. so get degrees, baby. Yeah, it was they nice call though. the doctor that graduated last in his class a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably went to Ohio State, but still. They spell doctor with a K. Uh, there. So one other one other thing I wanted to bring up, and I know I know you saw it too. So you know we're talking about spring sports. Uh, so they're uh, the uh, University of the Athletics Association approved um, additions to the softball and the baseball stadiums. I think it was like a, uh, I think for the baseball stadium they're they're putting in a, a what do they call it a pitching lab and. Just some other uh, players' lounge and things like that, like 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 legitimately investing in both programs. Like I know they did a uh, a renovation to uh, to Foley, what seven eight years ago or something like that. But like a this the is the one to the baseball field is it's a recruiting tool. Yeah, and we need it. Absolutely. There's no I, we when we've talked about this. You know, every time we talk about baseball, there's no reason that that this program. With all the talent that's in the state, and all you know, all the kids that are in travel ball and the you know high level you know high school baseball and all that, that the flagship university of the state should be where they're at right now in terms like just performance on the field, and they're making that investment, so it's good to see. Yeah, no, I agree. And the softball stadium's also getting that renovation. Mm-hmm. I want to say theirs is a little bit smaller of a renovation, but it's also a little bit of a smaller park, so that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. No. I and I know there was something specifically about the new renovations that you wanted to talk about. So I'll let you go off on that for a second. Okay. So yeah. So, um, and this is inevitable. Every time that that Georgia or any university, for that matter, does a renovation or expansion or something like that, where they're spending, you know, five, ten, you know, twenty million dollars, forty million dollars in the baseball and, and softball uh, stadiums. That there's always some jackass that says, "Oh, the tuition's going up," you know, like that that fucking bullshit. The athletic budget and the the actual institution, you know, uh, school budget, totally separate. They're totally separate enti- uh, entities. The uh, athletic department's uh, self sufficient, fully funded it. And I was telling somebody this. Uh, I think I was telling my mom this earlier that it's it's. Of course, they get the players from the university or, you know, the student athletes, of course. But it's more or less they're licensing the the school name and then it's a, a whole nother like, athletic program. It's not it's the school is not paying for it. It is self-sufficient. And, and, and you talk about this, too. I mean, your revenue sports are paying for all this stuff as is, but it has nothing to do with fucking tuition. Nothing no. to do with fucking tuition. I mean, tuition's high, and I know that the state cut like the uh, university system budget, like by like you know tens of millions of dollars. But it has literally nothing to fucking do with uh, any any money they're putting into the athletic program. It has nothing to do with tuition or the actual academic side of things. Nothing. So don't don't fucking trip over you know the the expansion of Sanford or the expansion of the softball and baseball stadiums. It is fully funded by the athletic department and boosters and fundraising and things like that. It does not take a dime out of uh, any student uh, of scholarships or 
financial aid opportunities or anything like that. So I just wanted to get, I just wanted to put that out there because I, I lose my shit every time I see it. So, and to put some actual numbers behind what you were saying, because Hmm. I've done research in the past, Georgia football before the 2020 season had over $130 million saved because the athletic director before Josh Brooks, I cannot think of his name for whatever reason right now. Um, Yeah, Uh, I I know. I can see his face. McGarrity. Yeah, there we go. So Greg McGarrity had this thought well over a decade ago of, you know, we need to put money aside if, if something ever happens and, you know, a sport is it threatened of, you know, getting taken away or, you know, we need to do an expansion. One of the something drastic happens in one of the buildings over one hundred and thirty million dollars in a savings for anything the athletic department needs. Yeah, the rating day fund. Yeah. And here's the thing. Georgia was one of two programs in the country that actually had anything saved for that rainy day fund. And they had the most. Thank you, Greg McGarrity. You may have been behind on a lot of other things, but you were very forward thinking on that. Secondly, the giant football indoor facility that was just built, that's super nice and has the restaurant and all that kind of stuff. That was 100% paid for by booster and former player donations. Not mm-hmm. No penny came out of even the football budget to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me with the, with the professional players and rich boosters that the baseball program has, that they didn't get some funding from there? And yeah. second, and the football program produces so much money between season ticket holders, because if you guys didn't know this, the if you weren't renewing, like if you were going for new season tickets this year, you had to donate a minimum of $2,000. Out the front door. Good Lord. Because so many people are donating money. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't, that's not the university's minimum, but that is, this is how many tickets we have to get out. So like they go from the top down, this is the cutoff. So like $2,000 was the lowest donation amount that got season tickets this year, but people had to donate between 400 and 2000 to even get in the pool to possibly get picked. Mm-hmm. And all that money goes to the football team. And that money from the football team with regular ticket sales to all the games, concessions, the part of concessions that aren't run by local sports organizations that are raising money, mm-hmm. all of that goes in to help these non-revenue generating sports, your track, softball, volleyball, all the ones that you don't have to pay to get into, mm-hmm. all the excess money from your football, basketball, baseball goes into that so one thing oh one no, thing go I'll, ahead, go ahead. oh so one thing that I, that that you were talking about about having like the rainy day great rainy day fund while we're you know shitting on ohio state you know still so some of y'all may remember that they or heard about that they canceled their home and home series with washington and part of that reason why they canceled it was because ohio state was not uh forward thinking enough to have a rainy day fund, at least big enough to cover, um, you know, what happened with, you know, COVID and all, you know, the big tens, you know, 
know, mishandling of that Disaster. whole thing. Yeah. So they, they ended up having to cancel that Washington home and home because they were not going to be able to meet their budget. Um, I, I think it was, I, I guess it's next year, but they weren't, they weren't going to be able to meet their budget because they weren't going to have enough home games. So they needed to add another home game to uh, just not be in the red anymore, so to speak. So that just, just something to throw out there with, uh, with that as well. But it just came to mind again, while we're shitting on Ohio state. Yeah. So if you're one of these people that gets upset when an athletic building gets more, gets an expansion, gets renovation, get more funding, and you didn't know that they were separate up until now, mm-hmm. I'm. I hope that we taught you something. And mm-hmm. if you're one of those people, like the people on the internet that we came across earlier, that know that and are still upset, go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's it's. It's insane that there's still that that's still thrown out there because I obviously we're more into it and all that, but they're not the same thing. The Ohio State or Georgia, Michigan, whatever is thrown, you know, thrown across the uniforms and all that, but it they're they're two separate entities. It's not Completely. it's not from the same fund. Like even when we donate to get our season tickets, it says University of Georgia Football Association. Or something like that. Like the UGAA. Yeah, like we're not donating to the university. It's the um, it's like the football club or whatever they call it. I don't know. Touchdown club or whatever. Yeah. The Letterman's club or whatever whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like even our donations don't go to anything other than the athletic department. Like it doesn't get run through the university. They are two separate entities under the same umbrella. Yeah, you're not funding, you know, at need scholarships for for anybody of that, like with your season tickets or your don't that particular donation. You're more than welcome to do that a separate donation if you have that. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not the football or any any season ticket or any donation to the athletic department. You're not taking food out of somebody's mouth. No. If anything, you're giving it. To more people because more people are going to have access to play these sports and potentially mm-hmm. play professionally mm-hmm. and you know what i would say 90 plus percent of professional athletes have foundations where they go help people back where they're from mm-hmm. oh for sure i just stupid people will continue to be stupid that i know that all all too well <laughs> from from eight to three fifteen or seven fifteen to three fifteen every day. I know that all too well. <laughs> Hopefully, none of your coworkers listen. <laughs> there's a, there's a few the real the real ones know. Uh, well, the real ones are not stupid. True. I. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I, I want to say my I know I think my assistant principal's uh, husband listens to it. So am I talking? Am I talking about our administration? I'm talking pe- <laughs> people that I see on the ground every day. And probably some students. Well, more so them. But yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. We're going to say it again like we do every week. The Instagram is at nothing.finer.pod. The Twitter is at finerpod. 
to find us on Facebook and YouTube, just search Nothing Finer Podcast. Make sure it's got our logo there. Um, the or the um, the shop is still up for the next couple of weeks. If you are interested in getting something from there, um, before we go, Mike, did you did you say about the uh, the new thing you're doing on the show, or do you want to? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm gonna start. Uh, you know, working the uh, the Twitter, so we're you know you'll see some more uh, stuff. Oh, going I was talking. I was talking about your other thing. Oh, the uh, the uh, the writing part. Yes. Oh shit! Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I. So I'm be writing for uh, Woodward Sports. It's a uh, Detroit area like sports media company. And if any of you guys are familiar with that. Um, it's a ton of like former athletes are, are part of it. Uh, Braylon Edwards, uh, from uh, Michigan fame, uh, Darren McCarty used to be, you know, four, I think it was a four, three or four times Stanley cup winner for the Red Wings. Uh, Lindsey Hunter, he was, a, I think was coach of the Phoenix Suns for a bit. He played for the Pistons for, for a bunch of years and then just a bunch of different, you know, uh, you know, predominant, like, you know, Detroit and Michigan area, uh, you know, players are all part of that, but I'm going to be writing about uh, Michigan and Michigan State uh, basketball for the time being. And then hopefully as we go you know, further along, we'll be talking about, uh, you know, football and other things. So um, a very exciting opportunity. I'm looking forward to, to, you know, cranking out some content for them pretty soon. And I'll definitely be sharing that in um, our uh, social medias as well and trying to incorporate what we're talking about here, slipping that into what I talk about over there as well as much as I can. Yeah, guys, so go follow Woodward Sports on social media, and then just every time they post something, just comment only here for at Michael Dark's content. Yeah, that's that's it. That... <laughs> <laughs> don't actually do that because I don't want Mike to get in trouble. But No, no, you're there. You you want to know, you, you'll see me say shit about, like, Jalen Carter just, like, you know, shouting for the rooftop for him to be a lion, and, and Nolan Smith for that matter, but – I mean, it's all good stuff uh, for sure. So definitely go there for me, but stay for everybody else as well. (laughs) All right, guys. Always remember, there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. Bennett to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkie. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown!